Welcome to another episode of Lifelong Learner. This is the Out of Class Edition with Ben, Janesh, and Matt. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lifelong Learner. Welcome, Matt. Welcome, Ben. Uh, last time, we had Matt uh, show us a, a sunrise. I feel like Ben's now showing us uh, some palm trees and his lovely lovely physique. Yeah? Where are you, oh, Ben? Mate. Uh, I've just, oh, I feel like crying. <laughs> I've just, I've just seen the most amazing sunrise that I've ever seen in my entire life, ever. And last yeah. night I saw the most incredible sunset that I've ever seen. And I'm 54. That's, that's saying a lot. And here I'm sitting right now and this is what I'm looking at. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Ugh. Oh, mate, life is tough. Hey, they let you park your boat right out front. That's I'm drinking nice. a $6 coffee in front of a $60 million yacht. <laughs> <laughs> have you managed uh, to talk your way into a tour yet? Surely you must have. Uh, I haven't managed. Taking that out. For a bit. But you know, there's no joy Maybe. in that. There's just joy in a $6 coffee. <laughs> There's not even a little inkling of you that wants to have a look inside. Yeah. I would like to have a look. <laughs> Just Mate, a look. All, the, Just a all the stainless steel, all the chrome, it's all glimmering. Who got it's off just, it? It's did, some, did some, you see? Oh, like, mate, it's, it's, it's a permanent mooring in, uh, in Hamo. It's here all the time. And um, it's a charter yacht. Super yacht. Ah. Yep. Um, so... You can do a day trip on it for fifteen grand. Wow. wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So a day trip for fifteen grand. How many people does it take? Grand. Oh mate, that would take a lot of people. <laughs> I reckon it'd be it'd probably be twenty people, I suppose. Twenty five people. Mate. So um Yeah. Anyway, that's that's how the other half lived. Right, tell us about mate, um, yeah your no. time in uh, Matt. And where are you in Australia at the moment? Um, I where am I? It's a, a little bit frazzled. Um, where are we? We're in Esperance, Esperance, WA. I made it in the WA boys. Woo! That's pretty good. Uh, there's no big deal though, was there? No big deal. Um. <laughs> Technically, not really, but it felt like a big deal. Like when you come into the border crossing, and I'd been in the middle of nowhere for about three days, Cactus Beach, which is in South Australia, which I'm going to chat to you guys about later because it's incredible. Um, but, yeah, we were in the middle of nowhere, desert, just at this surf break, and then we drove out and did one pretty much one day. We just wanted to get it done. And we went through it like one in the morning, and I figured there'd be – very little or nothing, but there were still two police officers checking you in. Mm. But it, it's quite confronting when someone, you wind down your window and yeah. the only question you get is, are you triple vaxxed? It's like, whoa, <laughs> okay, here we go. And you have to give your G2 pass and it's like going to the airport. You sit there for 10 minutes while they check all your credentials and then, yep, in you go. So hang on, hang on. You had to be triple vaxxed to get in? That's their question. Their first question is, are you triple vaxxed? And we were like, uh, no. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I assume you're double vaxxed then. And we're like, okay. And then they just start the process. Um, trying to explain. Well, hang on. How, how can they ask you whether you're triple vaxxed? If that's, not, if that's not a, like. Is it their state thing? I think, yeah, I think in their state, that's the expectation. Um, but the minimum you need to enter is double. If you're only double that, it's not enough. You know, there was a truck driver next to me and I was just listening while they were doing his and he's double vaxxed and they said, oh, that's going to be a bit of a problem. Not for you to get in, but just it, I'll be back. I've got to just tweak a few things. I've got to talk to some people. I'm like, whoa. So it's very, um, yeah, very interesting. And you, I guess the most listeners know the type of person I am. 
<laughs> you know, when you go into the airport, then you'll relate, and Janesh to an extent, maybe not as triggered as me, but when you go into the airport, you get that feeling of it's claustrophobic. It's like you're a criminal before you've done anything wrong vibe. It was a bit like that. Mm. Mm. Um, That's because you are like, a criminal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I get the random, uh, random explosives. Hey, come over here. This is totally random um, nearly every single time. Come through here. It's just random. We just got this explosive test and swab. Um, it's this is the sheet that explains the randomness. I'm like, just just fucking do it. It's fine. It's just 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 do what you need to do. It's not fucking random. Yeah, when you when you've been are you are you saying there's a bit of skin color? There's a bit of skin color. There's some. So I'm not gonna go down that path, Ben. Last time we did that, we we didn't air that episode. But I would say there would be some sort of profiling of some sort, mm. maybe, or maybe I am the lucky person that I am their hundred and second person that goes through every single time. Um, mm. I would say That's- I feel I feel a little bit of that prejudice too, Janesh, because <laughs> I'm always the one that they check their bags for drugs. You're the you're the Chappelle Corby, mate. You're the Chappelle Corby. I'm the Chappelle Corby. Every time they see the surfboard bag in Indonesia, they're like, we got to check that guy. <laughs> That's so interesting because Michelle's always the one that gets swabbed down with, uh-huh. you know, traces of cocaine. <laughs> she is. We both go through and they always grab Michelle and swipe her down for traces of coke. That's hilarious. Oh, and, you, and you go through like it's no, no one's business. Mm. That's hilarious. Isn't it? That proves the system doesn't work, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Be- uh, Benny, I'm curious. You're in Hamo. How long have you been there? I've uh, been here a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, week today. Uh, here till uh, for another half a week. Here till Sunday. Oh, nice. Uh, we love Hamo. This is, uh, we were here six months ago. Um, it, it, has, it has the super yacht and it has... You know, the incredible just bush walking trails, the simplicity and the hedonisticness of it. So you can kind of fluctuate between the two kind of extremes. Um, and the weather's always stunning. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, you can, you know, the, the lawns, the gardens are always immaculate. Everything's immaculate. And yet I can wander up into the bush and, you know, do some trail stuff and go to deserted beaches. And so mm. it's just a perfect mix for us. Mm-hmm. Staff are always super friendly. Um, and I'm a big fan. This is our 10th visit to Hamo. Wow. Do you usually um, stay at the same place? Uh, we've mixed it up a little bit. Yep. The last few times we've stayed at Whitsunday Apartments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Morning team. Morning team at Whitsunday Apartments. Um, uh, because I'm an early morning riser. Uh, and Michelle does like a little bit of a sleep in, and so I can get up because we've got a separate bedroom, shut the door, fossick around, make a tea, mm. you know, do a meditation, whatever it is, and then uh, and not disturb her. Plus, it gives us a kitchen. Mm. So mm. Uh, instead of having another hot dog and another burger and chips, and then a stu- you know, and then another club sandwich, and then another hot dog and another burger and chips, we can cook something for lunch and yeah, nice or pr- something for lunch. So, mate, love it. Uh, so your apartments, uh, it's good, good spot. And you know what's great is they've got an airport here, and you can fly in and land, mm. and within thirty minutes you grab your suitcase, and you could literally wheel your suitcase to your accommodation, uh, or there's a buggy that, that picks you up and drops you off. Did you fly? So, did you, where did you fly into? Did you fly in straight into there? Fly straight to Hamo. Awesome. That took a change. Thanks, Virgin. We uh, we dumped we dumped you because you changed our flight four times. Uh, and the last time you changed it, you decided not just to change the time, you changed the day. And so uh, we flew Qantas. We love Qantas. Uh, Qantas is our favourite line, airline, and it always brings us home. Uh, so uh, so we flew Qantas. So we love that. But mate, I came here thirty years ago. Just on 30 wow. years ago, back when Keith Williams had it. Wow. Yeah, he's the guy that started this. He had the vision of putting an airport on an island, like a commercial airport, mm. uh, you know, an international airport uh, yeah. uh, on, an, on an island and building, building a huge, you know, whatever it is, 20-story hotel 
on an island. Um, just incredible. Like, and, and so while I was here, and this was back in the day, mate, this is back in the day of a phone book. Hmm. This is before internet. That was right. Yeah, mate, it's before internet. This is kind of before internet. Wow. Can you uh, when you had telephones. When you, yeah, there we go. Like, with that, like the dial-up phones, like? right? No mobile phones. And, and I thought, and I heard a little bit about this too, right? And this is the back of the day. Oh, they had dolphins in the pool next to where you had breakfast. So you'd sit and have your brekkie and the two dolphins. One of them was Bubbles, would be in the pool next year, right? And the pool is about twice the size of my swimming pool at home, right? Totally not PC these days. Um, but it was super cool. Anyway, mate, I had to meet this dude. And I was, you know, this up-and-coming Uber. Again, I'm going to take over the world, uh, chiropractor. And um, so, anyway, he, he lived on the island. So, got the phone book out, and there's oh. Keith Williams' phone. Oh. I rang him. I just rang him. And he answered his phone. I said, Keith, it's Ben. Oh, you don't know it's me, but ben. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm so impressed with what you've done with the island. I would love to come and have a cup of coffee with you and meet you. He said, come up tomorrow for morning tea. So Michelle and I went up the next day and we sat and had morning tea with Keith Williams and he told us about how it happened and his history. Oh. And, um, mate, just oh. incredible. So we've mate. got a real connection with the island. Wow. I'd love to hear that story at another time. Right, that's um, mm. that's awesome. Mm. That's uh, mm. right, when so, was the last time hey, we've just seen it evolve? We got rid of the dolphins. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, and there's a lot of you can'ts now. A lot more you can't sign. What do you Back mean? Keith had it. There was a lot of cans. What what are, what are some yeah, of the can'ts? Like, oh, what are some of the what, what are the, what are some of the can'ts? <laughs> um, what are some of the can'ts? There's the some can'ts. trails that they think you can't walk on. Why? Um, but there's a trail oh, there. because they might be dangerous, and there's you know ATVs maybe on the, those trails. But I think they're more guides than than rules. <laughs> I feel the the yellow signs, um, the traffic signs that are in yellow, aren't the law. It's uh, a suggestion. Suggested yeah. speed limits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's suggested. So there's a, there's a few more cars on the island, but mate, it's just uh, it's phenomenal. Oh, the boating. You know, back in the day, you could t- you could take you can still do take a little dinghy out. Like you can get a little. Back in our days, it was a little one of those metal dinghies with a mm-hmm. fifteen, whatever it is, horsepower boat motor, mm-hmm. and you just go out and you'd motor wherever you want. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, so good. And now you can still do it, but you know they've got the zone. You can only go in this zone, and, and you have to be sober, and you got to be sober too. What's that about? Um, and wear a life jacket and all that. So. Uh, but it's all good. It's all to protect us. It's all to keep us safe. Um, so, but yeah, mate, it's fantastic. Really, really good. Really good. Highly recommend it. But fly Qantas um, if you're coming. I up. just I just booked my flights with Jetstar. So um, when you were going through all the lists of complaints, I was like, oh, which one is it? It's gonna hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, mate, it's uh, it's just terrific. We we uh, we love it. We just had my daughter up for a, a few days. Oh, nice. Um, so, Eden which one? And her Eden. girlfriend Steph yep. came up. Steph, oh, if awesome. you're listening, Eden, uh, I'll give you a plug so you make sure you listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so they were up for a few days, which was great. Although they did take over the lounge room, that didn't stop me getting up early and turning the lights on. How did that go down? <laughs> how did that how did that work for you? Or work for them, I should oh, say. Oh, look, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, actually. It wasn't too bad at all, and I was reasonably well-behaved with my lighting um, and noise I made they, in the morning. They shortened um, their trip by about four days, Janesh. They just decided yeah. to pop in for two days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you just yeah. – so you well, – did you maybe have to put some clothes on in the morning when you walked around that front room? No. Mate, I did have, I did have my little get-out-of-bed, put these shorts on. Uh, I did have my little put put your shorts on pair sitting beside my bed. Um, Just a reminder. So, yeah. Uh, so I did put those on. Uh, but oh, it's been uh, been a really really good trip, really good trip. And we've done nothing. So because we're only here six months ago, like we literally landed on the island and we went to the apartment and. I just relaxed on the chair and so good. Just got my book out and started reading. Normally, whenever I go anywhere, You're doing it's something, like explore, got to explore, got to go and. Find out everything, discover, discover, find. Um, 
But this time I haven't done that, which is super nice. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you. What about you, Maddie? Come on. No, no, go. Maddie, uh, tell me about you and this, uh, this because you know, you and Michelle and I are planning a trip in the middle of the year. Uh, and this beach sounded good. Cactus. Oh, mate. I'm going to tell you a little bit about cactus. And then it actually um, made me think of a question that I want to ask you guys because um, there's this, this spot. It's a surf reserve, Cactus Beach. It's owned, this whole peninsula is owned by some wealthy dude. Um, and he's basically got a caravan park right on the water. And when you go there, it's it's beautiful. It's like the desert um, meets the cliffy beach. And it's a bit underwhelming, if I'm going to be honest, but everything's white, like white like my top, which is a bit confronting. You don't see sand that white and you, you arrive and, you know, written written signs. It's very rustic, but um, you go and find your spot. There's probably about 100 other people spread throughout the, the, the um, you know, that sort of the land meets the ocean, sort of spread around camping. And the um, Chris and I can't remember her name, but they're two managers come around and they check you in and it's very laid back and very cool. And she sort of, when they check you in, they mention that this is an area that they're trying to keep, um, you know, they're looking after and you've got to take, you know, they do all the recycling and the rubbish and please take care of this place and don't share on social media mm. um, because we want to keep it how it's always mm. been. We don't, we don't want it to become commercialised. We don't want, you know, it's not about the, the money, though it does clearly make pretty good money. We are paying $17.50 a night. There must have been 100 people spread across, you know, a couple of acres. But it's got this vibe of, I believed her, authenticity. You know, she's like, we've got, we've got guys coming here who have been coming for 30 years and we want them to still come here. And, and people come for a week and stay for a month. You're only allowed to stay one month and then you've got you to gotta leave. <laughs> there's a bit of an energy, energy there. And, um, yeah, and if, if you surf, there's five breaks directly when you look out at the ocean five so there's they're right there and you can just paddle out to them mm-hmm. but what's really curious is this place is um it's really it's renowned it's one of the best surf breaks in australia um so most surfers will have it on their radar but it's also one of the regard as one of the most dangerous because the, i don't know if you guys have heard of it cactus beach is sort of renowned for great whites mm-hmm. they're everywhere and so I'm on the way there. I'm excited to go, but I'm also nervous. And the whole language and the conversation before with Kat has been about the sharks. What's her strategy? What are we going to do? And is it a big deal? Kat's then gone off and planned and, and um, you know, studied every single story of any shark attack in South Australia. And so she's giving me information. She's like, that's actually not as bad as I thought. Like no one's been eaten there in years, like 15 years. I'm like, that's not helping me, Kat. Like, she's trying to give me this information. She's like, oh, more people have died in Sydney than there. I'm like, okay, that's great. Trying not to think about it. Um, and it's just, it consumes the whole place. So there's these old guys sitting on top of a cliff and we, we go and we sit there in the afternoon on the day we arrived before my first session. And they're talking about sharks. I, I just overhear the conversation. This old guy's talking about it. He was in the water the other day and it was 100%. 100% it was a shark. And Is that I'm the just, guy with the one leg? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> everywhere you go, there's this, like the, um, there's an excitement, but there's also an underlying fear and people are talking about it. And so I'm trying to get it out of my head. I'm like, nah, you just don't want to be thinking about that. Um, but I've got a day to think about it. And, yeah, it was the next morning. I got up early, super early, like you're describing. There's something amazing about getting up. The sun's coming up, no one. I can see like all the other campers, but they're all out of it. And I'm trying to get up as early as I can to get out in the ocean to be the first. And so I'm, you know, getting ready and I'm making my coffee and slowly waking up and just this excitement and get my board and I, I you walk, it's a, maybe a, a kilometre walk out of the the sand dunes and then along the beach and you know searching for the wave and it's just beautiful you paddle out and i sat out there for i went i went for an hour and sat out there for three hours and caught maybe 10 waves or something 
just super um the way they talk about it is there's a lot of i guess um localism you know people are very um intimidating and this is our way not true everyone there was so outgoing so friendly like these full-blown australian dudes like ochre accent you go no no mate you go it's your way just super friendly um and, it, and when you first surf, you, you, you know you've got to be respectful so you don't catch as many waves. You let everyone else get the waves and you're just trying to work it out. But it was a phenomenal place. I didn't think about sharks once. Mm. Not once. I was so in the just appreciating being in the water. I haven't been surfing really much up until now. This is a, a dedicated perfect break. So the mm. waves hit it and you get these iconic peeling waves. It's just magical. And so I was just so transfixed and so present and just grateful to be there. You know, not my best surf either, but fuck. And, and there were some people and the couple of surfs I've had previous were more scary because I was by myself and the whole southern coast is a bit exposed and it feels a bit scary. So I was in the, like in the zone, felt safe and just had this incredible time. And you didn't think about sharks at all. And so it made me think um, about a question I wanted to ask you guys. Mm -hmm. And it's written on my phone, but it was something along the lines of, what are you guys so passionate about that you don't have time to be scared? Because I realized that's that's what it was for me. It was the fear's mm -hmm. still there, but I'm more excited than I am scared. So, you know, you can only focus on one thing. You're either You're either excited or you're fearful. And I was just so excited that I didn't even think about it. So... What what for you guys in your life is mm. you're so pumped about that you should be scared, but you don't have time to be? That's a great question. Benny? Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but you go first. Is it? Yeah. I, 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 you know, the first thing that comes to mind. This, this is my just like totally in the zone. Is when I run in the morning, mm. like, and I don't. I wouldn't say there's a scaredness to there, but but I, I like to make the runs epic. I like to go off trail. Uh, I like to go to remote places. I like to be running by myself. Um, you know, I've run pretty much every morning, uh, and Hamo's got some great secluded beaches. So I'll run to this secluded beach, um, get there all hot and sweaty, strip off, skinny dip, you know, and it's just me early in the morning and the sun's still coming up and, you know, just sit in the water and it's peaceful and it's quiet and, and slowly get out and, you know, get dressed again, put my runners back on and then run back and always try and run a different direction, different way back. Um, yeah. That's, that's a really special place for me. And I, I wouldn't say there's a nervousness there, but um, but there's, a, there's, certainly an excite, there's certainly an excitement, but it's not a bland excitement. You know, I often mm. talk about doing novelty um, which is like going to the movies, right? You go to a good, see a good movie. There's a bit of, oh, ah, oh, tears. And you come out and after the movie's finished, to me, there's always just an emptiness. There's always like, mm. that was good. That was an experience. That was good, you know? It was good, it was good to go and see. And then it's like, you just, yeah, you go home and like life's no different. Um, versus, versus, you know, truly doing something that, where there is kind of this nervousness and excitement like Maddie's talking about, um, you, you come, you come away from it changed, you know, something changes. Um, and that I get from running. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a good question, Maddie. What about you, Janesh? Mm, I think would be similar, similar to Ben, I would say, um, running an event. Uh, not just a normal run, but running an event where there's every reason to be to be nervous and not sure and potentially scared, um, especially if you're underprepped, which sometimes I am. Uh, <coughs> but it's um, it doesn't really matter 
it's like it's going to be fine it's going to be good it's going to be lots of fun um and it's interesting you, and you go through waves right you go through like peaks and troughs in some of the longer races and I still remember some races where you're like, oh, this is so exciting. You're in a remote place, you're doing a race and someone's, and sometimes you go past someone and they're hurting and you try and pep them up and they, sometimes they're great and sometimes they're like, nah, you must be doing a different distance to me. You don't understand. I'm like, actually I do. Sorry. Um, I'm, uh, you're, I'm just going to keep going. Um, and uh, <laughs> if you're after the pity party, that's the next yeah, party. that's the next runner, not yeah. me. I understand they're hurt, but mate, don't don't say I'm not doing a different distance. Look at the bib; we're the same color. Um, but it's just yeah, I think that excitement of going, yeah, this is going to be great. Um, but there's every reason for it not to be great uh, potentially. So, and that's actually been challenging. The last couple of weeks, I've had a bit of an Achilles issue, and it's just oh, it's just when you can't do that thing, it just sucks and it's like a it's like you don't want to start it early in case it's going to push it back more and some days are good some days are bad and you're like fuck what, what's going on um mm. so that's uh that's interesting but it's also that brings back the nerves i think uh, and that's scared because it's that so we went to cathedral rangers on the weekend and uh, epic hike and what well, was Yes, strenuous, but it shouldn't have been as strenuous. Uh, but I was more cautious uh, because I was in a pain going uphill. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I, I don't want to second-guess this foot right now. Um, so that that brought a bunch of nervousness when it should have been excitement. And a exciting hard hike would have usually just brought excitement. Um, but that pain factor was like, oh, can you trust that leg? Was it going to roll? Is it going to give out? Is it going to be worse? And go figure that on Sunday. It was worse, but it was fine. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting when I think there is some of that coming in where before it would never come in. It would be like, yep, yeah, i got weak ankles. I'll strap them up. But now with this new Achilles issue, it's just like a, it's, an in, it's interesting. But I would say during an event, though, once you're at the start line of an event, it's like, yep, you're super excited. Uh, and the nerves and the scaredness goes out the window. I think that's, you know, what you're saying there is I, I get that feeling as well. You know, I've got my busted up foot and I had some a bit of knee trouble just recently. I had it, I had actually, I had it a year and a half ago where I, I just couldn't, I couldn't run at all, right? Um, and, 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 mate, I got pretty miserable. I got pretty miserable with that, not being able to run. And so, and, and I literally, it's interesting that you asked this question because I thought that, it's just earlier this week, um, I did park run on Saturday, mm. and my knee, my that tendon on my knee, pulled up really sore that afternoon. And I got up su- Sunday morning, and and it was it felt better. Like it was, I went, oh, thank. And it was like thank God that's better because what if it wasn't better? Yeah, what does that mean for my joy? Mm. Like my, you know, a lot of my, my joy is tied up with this getting up early and having my run. Mm. What if one day I couldn't run? And there was a whole thought process of, so what does that mean for me? You know, if my identity is tied up with being a runner. Mm. That's what about, mate. what about for you, Janesha? What about for you, Matty? If, if one day, mate, you couldn't surf for some reason, something yeah. happened, the shark took your arm and you couldn't surf, uh, Yeah, where does that put you? It's super curious because I had the same thought yesterday. We we were climbing, um, we're in a national park, which is kind of like Wilson's Prom, and there's this mountain called Frenchman's Cap, and it has a, on the top of the mountain is all a cave. So you hike up this mountain and then you can climb through the top of it. It's incredible. And it was a phenomenal experience. We were just doing it together, me and Kat, and we actually ran up there to make it harder. And we're coming down, and on the way down, there was this couple, older couple, man, woman, woman sitting at the, you know, made it probably the first 500 metres, but out of breath, demoralised. And I can see them starting to have a conflict. He wants to go. She can't physically do it. And we walk past, and I just said to Kat, how would we deal with that? Because so much of our relationship is physical, it's adventure. And, um, yeah, it really actually brought a a sense of um, not fear, but, a sense of a vulnerability that, yeah, I feel great. Yes, I'm this happy-go-lucky 
but a lot of things are going well. The body mm. it ties it all together. I'm such a physical person that, so, like you said, so much of my joy comes from using my body in different ways and exploring. Um, take that away. Oh, that's the next level of, I guess, mental or spiritual growth would happen because it would have to. Because so much mm. of, so it, whenever I'm in a bad mood, I'll shift my emotion with motion. I'll go for mm. a run. I'll mm. go play. Or, I don't know how I would deal with that. I think that's a what great was your, question. Where did you and Kat land with that question on when you say how would you deal with that if that was us? Where did you land? Well, yeah, well, it started with um, a question around, yeah, um, I don't think I could be with someone who isn't physically capable of, like, it started with that. Like, mm. how would you deal with being in a relationship with someone who wasn't physically capable? And then it was, it got a little bit close to home. It's like, how would we deal with it when one of us isn't physically capable? Like, this could happen. Mm. Um, and initially it was, I, I couldn't date someone or, or, or you know, commit to someone who wasn't fit who didn't mm. or didn't prioritize their body it just wouldn't work mm. because i'd i would we would miss out on things you know i was saying if this was our situation i'd still go mm. if you weren't able i'd still go i'd run up and i'd run back but so much of the joy i'm experiencing is sharing it with cat this is sharing these experiences so like, but <laughs> that's interesting mate because because that that, that, relate, that relates to you as well you know we've got to like i think that's worth exploring you said, I, I couldn't be in a relationship with someone that wasn't physical or physically capable. Mm. What if you weren't physically capable? Does that mean you couldn't be in a relationship with you? Mm. That's, That's a great thing. Yeah, there's a lot of pondering here to do. Yeah. Be, yeah. And if you can't be in a relationship with you, then what does that mean? And we know for some people, um, sh shit happens, and they've had that statement in, in some shape or form. Um if I didn't have money, if someone wasn't wealthy, I couldn't be in a relationship with them or if someone wasn't fit or, and they, and all of a sudden it's them that they can't be in a relationship with and they take their life. Cause yep, that, that's you know, there's, yeah. I, uh, absolutely. So, so, yeah. So how do we, how do we manage that identity really well? The identity of being a surfer, the identity of being a runner. Mm. How do we, how do we manage that identity and and have an awareness that it's part of us, but it isn't us, mm, and that there is another option to it. And and how do we? I don't know. I don't know how we do it because I right now, yeah, I I wouldn't do it really well. Yeah, I don't I, think I would do it really well either. Like it sucks. So halfway on that hike, on when you funny you should say that. So we there was an exposed part of that hike on Saturday, and one because my Achilles, and two because one part was exposed. I've gone. I look. I had Zayn on my back and I was like, we can't, like, we don't have a, like a, a tether to hold Zayn. Like, if she falls, she's done. So I'm like, oh, no. And Kate's like, oh, we'll go down. I'm like, no, no, you go up. Um, and then so I was well, I was waiting there with Zayn halfway up this hike on this mountain and I was like, just, oh, I didn't do well. Didn't do, I was like, just itchy. I was like, oh, should we just, should we just give it a crack? I'm like... And I was like, oh, I'm looking up and it's like this rock scrambling. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe. And I was like, oh, you know what? No, let's just start walking down. No, no, I just, I couldn't. Oh, we probably waited for like, we went through a chip packet. And that was our, uh, that was, I was like, when we get to the bottom of the chip packet, Zade, we're moving. And Zade's like, okay. And I'm like, I'm not. No, no, it was hard. It was really hard because I was like, I'm sitting here and yet yeah, the view is great and sun was shining and, but the worst thing is other people are going past us, right? And like, oh, have you been up? I went, no. I'm like, oh, my, my wife's up there. And I was like, oh, I just want to just move. Um, and it is, um, oh, it's hard. And I think to kind of say what you were saying, Ben, like, oh, like the last couple of weeks been miserable, like being able to just not, not move like I did a couple of weeks ago, knowing that it's going to, it'll come back eventually, hopefully. But it's like, a, oh, like you, like you're miserable, right? You're to 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 a certain degree, like you're not hundred hundred percent, and you're like, oh, because it's your thing, it's your thing to do, and you're like, oh, I need to find something else to do. Um, and to be honest, like this this week I actually done more reading because I was able to go, all right, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna make myself a coffee, and I'm gonna 
read a little bit before everyone else wakes up as opposed to going and go for a run or a workout and it's it's been okay it's not doesn't it's not the same um but it is interesting i think a lot of people do tie themselves up and that you and i were talking about this about um a mutual friend of ours that like when their someone's identity is tied up in something and either that is not going well for them or in this instance that they can't do it it causes them a lot of internal conflict and they're just they're stretched for ideas they're stretched for if, especially if you're at a place or you're doing in one profession or vacation for a long time and you come to crossroads or you go okay let's move from that be like i've been known as this i've been known as yeah. that um until like especially if they're not ready right so ben how was it for you when you were finished being a Cairo? Right, like you're still always a Cairo, right? But like, kind of finish practicing as a Cairo. Was there much identity shift there, or what was that like? Um, no, I'm pretty good. I've done it twice. So when I when I sold my previous chiropractic practice, um, I owned a radiology company at the time, and for a year and a half, I didn't practice, and I was a radiology practice owner. Um. And mate, it was really good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's because I had something to go on. I had something mm-hmm. else to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the same time this time around, when I finished practicing in October, which was after I was at Hamilton last time, Hamilton Island last time, I, I went home and, and hung up the hands. But I had something else to move on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got my coaching practice and I still own the chiropractic centre and coach the team. So, um. I had another identity mm-hmm. to move to. It's like another body to move, you know, from mm. one body to the next. Um, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything really. I met someone the other day and they said, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a chiropractor. You know, it's just easy. Um, and, and there is an identity, I think, you know, people, you know, when you're in a conversation with, they have a perception of what that is and what that means and, Whatever, whatever it may be, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I was fine. It was fine. Have you, has, have any of you guys had a change in uh, like a career identity change? Mm. I, I, while you guys were saying that, um, I was just thinking about, um, yeah, I guess what, what would you do if you lost a part of your identity and, and being physical and active is a big part of mine? I think there's a, a large chance. And, and hopefully this would be resourceful that if something happened to me physically that I wouldn't be the same, I think that there's part of my identity tied to proving people wrong. And so that might be my saving grace. So if someone said, oh, you wouldn't be able to surf now because of that, I think my identity would be, I'm going to fucking surf. I'm going to find a way mm. to show you that that's not true, that you can still do it. Um, same with, um, like I did my ankle. Remember when I did my ankle quite badly, mm. Janesh? Mm. And I lost, lost the ability to skate and surf and play and slackline for about a year and a bit. Um, and my, a lot of the joy, it was tie- as we said, it, and identity is tied into that. But I remember people saying to me, oh, 30s, once you do an ankle at 30 that bad, you're never going to be the same again. Like, man, you might want to start to come to terms with the fact that you're not going to skate the same. You're not going to surf the same. That fucking lit a fire in me to do the – I was doing – the work. I've done every bit of physio you can do. Like whenever I'm sitting down still now, it's like a, a nervous tick. I'm rotating my ankle inward, outward. I'm planting, dorsiflexing. I'm always, you know, balancing on one foot. And I think it's out of a sense of, fuck you. Like your story isn't my story. Just because you fucked your ankle and – you know what I mean? So – I hope that that would be something that would I'd form an identity around because that's part of the identity. Don't tell me what I'm capable of. But it's very easy to say that now with a fully working body. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but I'm letting go of, like I let go of the summit a little bit. I'm still there in a little capacity, but I realise how much I leverage off that, how much you leverage off being the – somewhere mm-hmm. and 
confidence and self-esteem you draw from that um, when you move into the unknown. So as I move into other areas, carry myself, uh, I carry myself a certain way because of the stories um, I've generated in the past and a lot of those are tied to this place, you know, to being colleagues um, and working with Janesh. And now when you have conversations, people say, what do you do? I'm like, uh I don't have the story. It's not ironed out. It's not just doesn't fall out. And I don't, I don't, yeah. So it's a little bit strange at the moment. I'm in this limbo period of, ah, I do a bit and I explore and and I'm moving towards a surf camp and people are like, okay, you sound like a bum. Um, (laughs) It's it's not, it's not really selling, selling the, uh, the image so much. So there's a bit of depth to the, to the identity here. How about mm. you, Dinesh? Because you're going through this a little bit, like you said, with your injury. Mm. But um, what's your yeah, hold that thought, guys, for just a second? If you guys want to talk about that for a sec, I've just got to just got to check something out, and I'll be back. So if I check drop out, <laughs> I if I drop out, so elaborate, uh, Ben, when you say, "Oh, he's muted himself as well." He's muted himself. Is he walking onto this billion-dollar yeah. boat? Right no, now? and you know what? He can probably hear us, so he's going to. Uh, I want to hear the toilet echo. He had his coffee, so he's like, "Oh no, I got to go. I got to go, and I can't take this phone into the toilet with me." And the echo—they're going to hear the echo. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny, um, yeah. mate. It's uh, mate. It's hard. It is hard for a number, of, mate. That was a quick toilet stop, mate. Mate, that's that's uh, the, the place I was going to check out. Uh, there was already someone checking it out. So <laughs> it's obviously he's walking quick. He's walking. It's a, it's a real, it's a real tourist attraction here on Hemo. Um, and uh, there's a limit to one person checking out the attraction. Hey, mate, at time. I've you, got an idea. You look quite agitated there, Ben. You're just ready. You need to move, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Just carry that energy. Walk deliberately and go board that super yacht. Oh, I'm sure there's a yeah, toilet on that yacht. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. He's looking. Um, He's looking. There's a little bit of attention. There's a I can attention. see. <laughs> Hang on. The tourist attraction is now being vacated. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you soon. All right. <laughs> oh, for the, for the listeners and not the viewers, um, Ben looked quite uh, he, like he was on a mission. And when you have everyone has that feeling... And you're on a mission and go, oh, oh, I got to go. I'm not sure where the next one is, but I got to go. But, um, right, to answer your question, um, yeah, it is hard. I think it's hard also because of uh, coming off uh, in an event uh, a couple of weeks ago in Warburton and that ideally was going to be this weekend would be another event um, in Bright, so Buffalo Stampede. I, never, I haven't ever done that event and I like um, – we spent a bit of time in Bright last year – like not long, but maybe four or five days and just really kind of fell in love with the place. And I was like, oh, you know what? We'll go away for that weekend to Bright. Um, like meaning coming this coming weekend and it's it's a no deal, right? So it's like, oh. And my head's like, what else is going to be exciting that I can put in place to do it? And you're like, I can't. Let's just go to Bright anyway. And I'm like, no, because you're in Bright, you're walking around everywhere. You might be riding a bicycle, you're, you're hiking and you're like, I can't really do that yet. Um, mm. And it is challenging. And it's also the, um, right, as you get older, you're like, if you stop moving, um, your pants and shirts get tighter very quickly. <laughs> right? Like when, you're, when we're younger, when you stop moving, it's, uh, oh, yeah, it's fine. Um, and it's like, oh. So that's another part of it, like that vitality part. Obviously, aesthetics, but also vitality part. Running was my thing. Um, and I could eat and drink whatever, right, to a, to a certain extent. And it's like, oh, there's no running. Um, but I know there needs to be some sort of movement, right, where it's like, all right, let's start to steadily go to the gym. I think the, the running, while going to the gym, while running, it was go to the gym at times to maybe rehab and do some stuff to, to help me run more. But now it's like I need to go to the gym kind of for general, general well-being because I can't actually um, – can't actually run at the moment, and so it's so yeah. So it's interesting times. It's it's annoying. Um, it is like, 
Yeah, it's kind of how do you find a way that you can sweat without uh, with, without uh, kind of like flexing your feet, which I'm, it, it's really interesting to find. A, like unless you do um, like a ski erg, right, the ski ergos, um, <coughs> like – which I don't have access to one, right? But it's like, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's interesting. If this was a forever thing, it would be interesting on how I would deal with it. Uh, I don't know how I wouldn't deal with it well. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't deal with it well. Um, Until, and in your defense, because I know you and you, you, you know, you're pretty good at this stuff, I would say initially. That would be the same for me initially, but when you don't have another option, surely that mindset, surely your adaptability, surely all the belief you have would yeah. guide you. I don't think I place. would, yeah, but I don't think I would ever accept that I couldn't do it to my probably to my own detriment, where <laughs> I would source out, oh, there's probably a way, you surgery away, is there uh, getting cortisone injections into my Achilles away. Like there is a way, again, probably to my detriment, I wouldn't accept, find something else. I wouldn't accept it. Uh, and I know, and you know me, I'm a stubborn bastard. Um, and I wouldn't accept it. And that's where I would be like, oh, I wouldn't accept it to my detriment, I think. Where I would just go, fuck and it, let's do it. Do the event uh, with no prep because I couldn't oh. prep because it's going to hurt yeah. too much. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Benny, how was your visit, mate? How was uh? You look a lot more calm, a lot more centered, a lot more. You look, you look a couple of pounds lighter too, mate. <laughs> I feel a couple of pounds lighter, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's uh, you know, nature. When nature calls, mate. I, I was listening to the conversation though from the tourist spot, and uh, I'm reading a great book at the moment. It's called Origin Story. Hmm. Mm. So it's written by an Australian academic, uh, and it's. He said we're so divided as a planet. We're divided by nations, by religions, and it's because we've 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 forgotten our oneness that we all come from the same place. Uh, and he said, if we're going to have the conversation around how we're all one as a, as a race, as a human race, we need to kind of work out, we need to have a conversation around how we, where, where humans came from, mm. which is, you know, the conversation around evolution and the beginning of life on yeah. earth mm-hmm. and if we're going to have a conversation around the beginning of life on earth we need to have a conversation around how earth began and if we're going to have a conversation around earth bang we, we're probably going to talk about how this, our solar system started if we're going to talk about that we we really need to have a talk about how the universe started so the book starts at 13.86 billion years ago mm-hmm. with the big bang mm-hmm. which is the currently the best scientific thinking uh, is where this all started from. Now, there's a there's a very there's still a big leap at the beginning, right? Uh, how you know, like it's still not explained, right? Okay, so where, where did the beginning come from? Magic. Uh, but uh, it's such an interesting book, um, looking at this this evolution. And there's, an un- there's one underlying principle, and that is uh, the principle of entropy. Everything is moving to disorder rather than order. order. Mm. Yep, everything's moving to disorder rather than order. Everything is. And the only way that we can keep order is through energy. So the more ordered the system tries to become, the more structured, the more complex the system, the more energy it consumes. Mm-hmm. And he talks about this thing called entropy tax. And the entropy tax is energy. So for, you know, like the crazy stuff, right? Three quarters of the entire universe 
is made of hydrogen. Space, emptiness, and hydrogen. Single, uh, um, one, uh, that's, that's a eh? Ouch. Uh, one, uh, what is it called? You know, hydrogen bond. Nucleus, single yeah. neutron, proton, electron, uh, whatever that thing's called, right? <laughs> I can't remember. Cell. Cell? Uh, uh, no, that's, that's, ne- a, that's neuron. made of lots of and neurons and molecules. Mm. Um, oh, right. Yeah. You know, it's bloody whatever it is. Big Bang Theory. Yeah. One thing. So most of hydrogen. Second most common thing then, which makes up the rest, except for 2%, is helium. And only 2% of the entire universe is made up of all the other elements. Most of it, 98% is hydrogen and helium. It's crazy stuff. But so for two hydrogens to come together, um, or for a hydrogen and oxygen to come together, two hydrogen and oxygen, to form a water molecule, require, and to hold that stability requires energy. And then you get more complicated, more complicated molecules forming until you form, you know, a creature, a bacteria, and then until you form a, an animal or until you form something complex like a human requires a huge amount of energy for us to maintain this. Mm. Uh, he's saying the natural state is insanity, not sanity. The natural state of the human body is breakdown, not order, mm. not structure. Um, so... Sadly, mate, we're breaking down, mm-hmm. and and it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of energy to maintain this body, mm-hmm. to maintain this mind. Uh, think about all the people that aren't putting the energy in, mm-hmm. that aren't putting mm-hmm. the thought or the time to try and maintain their body. Uh, mate, that's most humans, unfortunately. And so we wonder why there is so much entropy. There is so much breakdown. There is so much dis-ease. There is so much lack of harmony in people's bodies, in society, in culture, uh, because the natural state is breakdown. Mm. And just on that, you, you build a body and a mind similarly. And if everything is moving towards disorder, unless there's a huge amount of energy mm. um, in opposition, it, yeah, that's um, that's a lot of deliberate, deliberate energy, right? That's a lot of focus. That's yeah. a lot of it's um, knowing too, what as well. you want to create, being clear. And I think that um, you know, which ties in what we've been saying earlier, that for you to create what you want, you need to be clear on it, but you also need to hold space for the idea that it's not going to stay that way. That's where so much pain and suffering comes from because we are always resistant to change, but everything is changing. And using this analogy of the universe, there's, there's matter and no matter, and there's more nothing than there is something. Nothing is in nothing, and we're moving towards nothing. It's very curious when you start to ponder that. Yeah. And I think that's you know, what maybe bring that up is, of course, time. Yeah, Maddie's 30, Janesh is 40, I'm 50. Uh, you know, as Janesh, as you noticed, that, you know, back in the old days, you could drink and eat anything. Mm. That's fine. Um, and you miss it run day, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But it's like, it's like now, as time goes on, as you say, it's moving to more disorder quicker. And it, ta- mm. it takes more energy now to keep things in order where it was less energy before. Now it's more energy now, which is fine, but it's just kind of get wrapping your head around, okay, there is more energy. There's more rehab. There's more diligent kind of habits and routine if you want order. And, and an acceptance that you can't hold it together forever, that you are deteriorating. You know, like that's what we're saying, that every single one of us will at some point have to address the elephant in the room which we're not going to physically be capable at some point. You know, it's science. At some point. Mate, you're you know, telling me hope- I'm not a cyborg and I'm not a version of Terminator? Come on, mate. Who knows? And I'm sure that, you know, if you manage your thoughts and you manage your body, you can, you can 
smash expectations. You can be the 90-year-old that's still doing crazy things, but at some point, some point it's all going to deteriorate and you're going to possibly be left having to still navigate, find peace, joy without a body that works, you know? Mm. I've, I've also been listening to the audio of the Tibetan book of living and dying. Mm. Mm. And the, the basic premise of the book is uh, get all good with death. Mm-hmm. And then, but not in a morbid way, uh, and then live your life. Mm. Like, uh, but the only way that you can, the book is saying, the only way you can live your best life is to be all good with death. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I resonate with that so much. Um, the Four Agreements. There's a bunch of books that talk about the Angel of Death. That if you can stare death in the face and become friends with it, then it actually makes life better mm. because a little bit more liberating. It's the risk. Yeah, it's the it's the the thought. I mean, for anyone who's adventurous, anyone who's you know generally outdoorsy, it's the risk that brings us closer to life. It's the perception of death. When you walk along the edge of a cliff, death is right there. Death is one trip away and you can walk along it and then walk back into safety and security. That makes you come alive. I think that people don't have a good relationship with death. They're so scared of it, actually scared of a life. really resonate with that, that death is one of the, the greatest gifts if you're not scared of it, if you can look at it, if you can imagine what it would be like if you weren't here tomorrow. It makes you live differently. What do you think, Dinesh? Yeah, I think, um, Benny, are you in somewhere really noisy? Am I, am I what, sorry? Are you in somewhere that's really noisy? Um, is, it, is it sounding noisy? I'm, I'm about to get... Are you picking up other people's voices? Yeah. Yeah, everyone in that corridor. Yeah, it's incredi- it's yeah, everyone. How the mic obviously is somehow tuned to pick up voice. Yeah, like you could hear yeah. those two people walking to the pool, their whole conversation, and like clatter, yeah. little clatters, and I'm like, what the fuck is he in? Like a is he in the airport? What the heck is he? It just got busy all of a how sudden. Did, how did how did we? He was in a toilet, elevator, yeah, lift. Yeah. How did it not drop out? Hamo. Uh, Hamo, mate. This is Hamo. Uh, nothing drops out in Hamo. Um, um, so, uh, but you know what? We've got special lifts here, by the way. The what's... lifts, um, uh, they, they don't do the ding. Uh-huh. You know when the lift yeah. finally, you, you push the button, lift comes, goes, and the doors are open and they go ding, so you and think... you go, oh, it's, there's yeah. a lift. It's yeah. empty now, right? They don't go ding. So there's been so many times I'm standing there looking around, waiting for the lift, and the lift comes and goes. <laughs> and the doors are open and the doors close. And then, close, and then it goes on to somewhere else. Um, so That's I'm just back at the room, boys. This is the view. There we go. Just a quick little Oh, mate. Oh, that's the ticket. Oh, that's so good. Uh, uh, one of the one of the three or four pools. Uh, that's the sunrise comes up over there every morning. Mate, that can't, can't go wrong. No, you can't go what's wrong. What's the time? What's the time there, Benny? Uh, it is eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Yeah. So, gents, on okay. uh, on wrapping up, what are our thoughts? We we covered a lot. We covered moving naturally, moving into disorder. Identity shifts. Um, what would happen in when you come to the day when you can't do what you do? What would you wrap wrap it all up for us? Go, Matty. Mm. Yeah, I guess the big one for me from this podcast was around identity. Um, yeah. So, who are you if you take away the things that you spend most of your time doing? because you're still somebody. I, I wonder whether we could get people to, um, yeah, address that, to maybe take out a piece of A4 and, and write out all the things that they are um, and then imagine taking away some of those things and 
and then ask yourself who you are because there's there's a depth there isn't there like take away some of those things i'm still i'm still i'm still valuable if i can't do this i can't do that mm. i'm still but what story would i tell how would i describe myself um i think that's something that could be really useful do you guys want to work with that mm. what could what could we encourage people to do that might be a, a five minute little practice or journal or that might bring some value. I really resonate with the angel of death thing as well that Ben was talking about. And I know that's brought me so much um, clarity. So maybe something around that too, looking a little bit closer in mortality. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think tying into the everything's moving to insanity, right? And to it's not just going to get better. Like you got to put in work. You got to put in work, and you got to. It's going to take energy, um, and if there is an identity shift, it takes. It will take energy, right? So <laughs> you can't do that thing. It will take intentional, conscious energy uh, to either, say, for example, rehab an injury so you can go back and do that thing, or to to redefine yourself, right? Either way, um, but either way, it takes. It will take work. I think um, you can't just go, oh, it will be good. I'll find my thing. But you, if you're not really searching, you're not going to just find your thing, uh, your next thing, or what are you going to do as that to fill that void? I think it, um, yeah, it takes work. And to, to know that it's it's like it's, it's a game. Like I think of it now as a game. It's like, oh, all right. Like if as soon as you kind of don't put in the, the, uh, the work, the kind of it's going to move you into negative points. Right, so what are you what are you doing to put a couple of points on the board today? What are you doing? You're reading a book, you're moving, are you uh, changing the way you do stuff, or and that constant um, that constant need of energy to keep things in order? Mm. Benny, work with all this and make it something great, would you? Yeah. So, uh, I think the more complicated we make our life the more energy we need to consume. And that's true for humans as we've complicated our planet. Uh, mm. we, we re- we're requiring more energy. Uh, and that's clear from the, this origin story book that I've been reading is, is we just, we, we consume more. So, mm. you know, I wonder where's the simplification? Mm. Where could you actually consume less? Where could you simplify your life mm. so you require less energy? Uh, to maintain that structure. You know, when you think about just a business, you know, the more complicated your business, the more people you employ, you know, the more complicated it gets, the more energy it requires to maintain the beast. Um, and so, again, we're going to work for our businesses, for our relationships, um, for so many aspects of life. How could we simplify it um, so that it requires less energy to maintain? Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. Yeah, and and also I think just on that, be okay with things changing. The, the idea of um, holding the ocean back, you know, say if you pitch yourself on the ocean, you got your your nice little towel and you've got your umbrella, and you think that you're going to be staying there all day as the ocean comes in. No man's going to stop the ocean you could dig a trench and and put in all this work and make aqueducts but at some point it's going to consume everything so are you all right with that can you enjoy the beach while it's there and when it goes obviously the beach is an analogy for your body or your mind Mm. and it's it's all leaving we came with nothing and we're going with nothing Mm. so how do you come to terms with that way you got something and enjoy it because Soon we're all going to be dust. Mm. You know, it's not the it's it's not the destination; it's the journey. Mm. It's not the journey; it's who you become on, on the, the journey. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just on that, sometimes the thing that happens to us that takes away our identity creates our new identity. Mm-hmm. Thinking about this chick, the soul surfer who lost her arm, got eaten by a shark. Um, she was a great surfer when she had two arms. She became a global sensation when she lost one. 
and everyone said she'll never surf again. What a tragedy. And she spent the next two years learning to surf with one arm and she inspired way more people out of that seemingly you will never surf again. And I think that that's, that's interesting to consider too. Sometimes when things fall apart, they're actually falling together. Sometimes when you lose the ability to do something, you have to become something more keep doing it evolve and shift into something new. Mm. Good work, boys. Yeah. On that note, team, thanks again for listening and uh, till next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you like this episode and want to know more and hear other episodes, head over to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter where you'll be the first to know when new podcast episodes come out. And if you want to say hello, tell us a joke or ask us a question, send us an email at hello at lifelonglearnerpodcast.com. Thanks again.